It's no secret that times are uncertain, and right now we need leaders. How do you develop your leadership? Look no further than SEI. Go to sei-nh.com and check out their amazing list of courses specifically focused on making you the best leader that you possibly can be, whether it's in the military, in industry, or just in your personal life. Their professional development courses, their military decision-making planning courses, all the way through their Hagukari course, specifically aimed on getting you to realize your full potential, are run by the most combat experienced and diverse cadre in the nation today. Whether it's two decades of fighting the nation's hardest battle overseas, coaching NBA teams, or Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belts, SEI has the cadre and the experience needed to get you to be the best leader that you can possibly be. Go check them out at SEI-NH.com for a full list of their courses. Our, our second Australian in two days. Sorry, go ahead. I know, it's wild. It's wild. <laughs> I would, you better have your Aussie slang down, Pat, then. You better understand. I'm not, I'm not interpreting for you guys. I'm just laying it out there as an Aussie. And you guys got to catch Go up for if it. you don't understand. <laughs> well, I already have one. I was listening to Akadaka when we started. Do you know what that Akadaka, is? Akadaka, ACDC? Yeah, there you go. One Come on three. now. Come on now. <laughs> we're already in it, so I'm not even going to do a freaking uh, in, uh, intro. So we're good. We're already, you're in the team room on the podcast with Kate Gladden. Thanks for coming. Uh, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, there's a, a handful of reasons why we wanted you to join. One is, uh, obviously, you are married to the one and only Nate Gladden, who's a friend of the podcast. We always enjoy talking with him. We've done uh, lots of lives with him. We've been, I think each of us has been on his podcast. Um, and so it's only right that uh, we bring you on our podcast as well, especially considering our demographic of you know, 15 to 35 year olds. We've got a lot of teenagers, young adults and stuff like that, that I think you would really resonate with and really wanted to get your kind of story out there and, and stuff like that and kind of pick your brain. And from what I understand, you want to talk to us about, or you want to ask us some questions. So, yes. um, Nate's prep me. Yeah, I'm sure he has. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. And then I'll throw in throughout the podcast some little nuggets of details that we happen to know about you that um, a lot of other people don't. Okay, amazing. Well, thank you so much for, for having me here. I can't think of a better way to spend a Sunday morning. Um, and as you mentioned, I am the lovely lady of uh, Nate Gladden. Uh, so we haven't officially married yet. We're having our um, wedding back in Australia in December, but I stole his last name early because I liked it. So I just took it. <laughs> no, well, that's it's, it's one of those things, right? Like as a business person, I was growing my name over here in the US and I'm like, I don't want to go with Fitzsimons and have to change it down the track. I was like, I might as well just start with Gladden from the, from the get-go. So yeah. And I, uh, I absolutely love working with teens and young adults. I do life coaching online. So that's kind of been keeping me super busy during the pandemic with every, everything all the teens are struggling with and also do... I guess you call it motivational speaking, although sometimes is <laughs> that gets a bad rap. But I absolutely love getting up in front of the the youth and teaching them how to build resilience skills. And I think that's what's most important about what I do and why I love to do it is they really are skills and they are buildable and teachable and learnable. I'm not sure if that's a word, um, but I know this because I myself was a super anxious teenager, mentally fragile at best, and um, just as I was finishing up university, my world got thrown upside down in a way I never saw coming. And had someone told me that I would have had to live through that, I'd said, you know, I just would have crumbled on the floor. I never wanted, would have wanted to get back up. So the fact that I've figured out how to build these resilient skills, I know every single one of them out there can as well. I think the problem yeah, with motivational I, speakers, um, sorry, Jared, is, is I so many I people. I know where you're going with this, I think. <laughs> So many people want to talk about stuff that they don't know about or have never experienced. And that's the first thing I thought about. You're like, you're like, it has a bad rap. I'm like, but you're talking about stuff that you a know about you've been through and then you've overcome. So, um, mm -hmm. I, I, I don't think it's bad to say that you're a motivational speaker. That's all I wanted to say. Cause there's nothing worse than people oh. that speak about stuff that they've never experienced. They're like, this is how you get through yeah. this. You're like, bro, you don't, you've never done this. <laughs> it's, it's very true. And you know what? Like if you saw one of my talks, I'm also quite strategic. So I love psychology. 
understanding, like I teach kids about like automatic negative thoughts and they're going to come and this is why we have a negativity bias, but we can't stop them. What we can change is our response. And I teach a little bit about neuroplasticity and all this stuff. So I get a little bit more strategic and practical because anyone can get up there and just like round the crowd up with like great quotes and like fluffy stuff, but I don't think it's then actionable. And so that's what I'm really passionate about that side of it as well. Oh, I mean, obviously cranking ACDC helps, right? I mean, <laughs> well, my, my pre warm up, uh, like song for, before I go on stage, it's Eagle rock. Have you heard of that song before? I'll have Eagle. to send it to you otherwise. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm mind blanking who it's by, which is terrible. Um, <laughs> it's an Aussie band and it's so good. Nate like pumps <laughs> that on my way to my talks and I, I go in on that. So, you know, you gotta have your rituals. They're better I, than the I proclaimers. Don't, I don't <laughs> well, the proclaimers are uh, aren't Aussies. I don't even know. What was that? I totally missed that one, Trent. Sorry. <laughs> oh, she, she, um, okay. Well, let me let me get us back on track real quick because you brought something up that um, that I don't think a lot of people know about unless they've come to one of your talks and stuff like that. You you said something happened to you that. Um, really turned your life inside out and you never would have thought you would have had to live through anything like that. And so I don't necessarily want to um, like dwell on it or bring up anything bad, but I, I think it's important to know um, what you're talking about when you say you live something through something, which is in fact horrendous. Cause I know, I know what it is. Um, but I was wondering if you'd be willing to talk about it right now and how you were able to overcome that. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, any chance to speak about my beautiful sister, I'll, I'll take it. Uh, 10 years since uh, we went through that event and I am so grateful that I still get to bring her into the world. So I'm more than happy to to chat about it. Um, so yeah, I was finishing up university and my wonderful sister was just like really hitting it in life. She was a dancer and becoming a sports journalist for rugby league, which you know, Nate loves. That's actually the game that brought us together. So yeah, things were going amazingly well for my sister and she just wanted to take a holiday, as we say, or a vacation to to Thailand. And um, she was having a great time with a um, boyfriend at the time. And I remember going to bed the night before, looking at her photos on Facebook, going, oh my gosh, I'm so jealous. I want to be there. And so I just went to bed like every other night. And then it was the classic phone call in the middle of the night. Um, I still remember the the panic in my mum's voice and she just said, you know, your sister's been in a serious motorbike accident. Um, so it, it turns out Nicole and her boyfriend were turning into the driveway of their hotel after a quiet dinner over in um, Koh Samui they went. And um, yeah, the a local rider came speeding up along the wrong side of the road and tried to cut them off and, and hit them. And Nicole basically took the entire impact. So she was rushed into surgery, um, but unfortunately she didn't make it. And I mean, there's, there's no words for those moments, right? It, it was every bit as awful and painful and scary and confusing as, you know, anyone who's lost a loved one can understand. I think the hardest part was though, losing her overseas uh, made it very, very complicated um, and, and, and scary. Like, it, it, like they were trying to put it on Jamie and trying to put her boyfriend into jail for it when we had video footage that showed it wasn't his fault. And so I felt like I couldn't even really grieve my sister for like the first week or so because I was just really scared about what was going to happen with him and how to get them all home together. Um, and yeah, it was it was tough. There wasn't a lot of empathy kind of given from some of the authorities there and that. And so I was very tempted to just want to shut down and kind of hate on the world and become bitter and, and all of that. Um, there's no doubt about that. Uh, but thankfully from the way that my sister lived her life, she was so, so resilient and I have so much love for her that the only thing that was deeper than the pain and the grief was the love I have for my sister. And I've got to say, like, it was really Viktor Frankl's quote. I'm sure you guys have heard this before that, Everything can be taken from man, but one thing, the freedom to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. And then hearing his story, reading Man's Search for Meaning, going through like, you know what, like that driver may have had the power to take my sister's life, but he has no power over the impact it's going to have on my life. Um, 
because yeah, you can't touch that space between our ears where we have that power over our response, right? How we're going to choose to respond and handle things. And I drew all my energy up and just uh, looked for um, the lessons and the purpose and the problems I could help solve for in my sister's um, following on from my sister's accident. Cause she wasn't wearing a helmet and that's something she never would have done back in Australia. You know, she took a risk overseas that she wouldn't normally take. Um, and then I discovered we were losing an Aussie tourist every three to four days in Thailand. Um, and I was like, that, that's not okay. Not on my watch. I'm not just going to sit back and let this happen to other people. So I just took all the lessons I could. And, and then I started sharing my sister's story and the video footage to make the invincible teenagers wake up to the fact that they're not bulletproof. The unthinkable does happen. And here's how you can minimize the chances of it happening to you. I mean, that's, that's wild. <laughs> so, so, uh, do you just, uh, you, you sit at the airport and yell at people, say, be careful on your way on, out there. Like, what do you, what do you do? Like, I, I wouldn't even know what, which well, step to take to, to make sure that people are, are doing the right thing when they go out there. Cause there, there is a thing. I especially think when you're younger, right. A, there's the invincibility mode, but then like you go on vacation or you're out there with your friends and it just kind of exacerbates that situation. So like, I mean, oh, yeah. I, so many people have such a hard time getting that first step down to make a difference. And like I'm saying, I would be lost in your situation to like, where do you even start to try to make a difference with that? Yeah. Well, you know what? Um, it kind of started. So it, there was a couple of things. So I was only 20 years old at the time. So I'd just gotten out of school. And so I was quite connected with that, you know, uh, senior years, high school kind of vibe. So immediately my mind went to school, but also to this girl called Anna Wood, who was a young Aussie um, who died from taking an ecstasy pill. Uh, she was only 14 years old, first one she'd taken. Her friends were too scared to get help when she had side effects, so she died um, very tragically. Her parents actually went around to schools and started sharing her story. And I remember hearing their pain, hearing her story and going, my God, I never want to put my family through that. So I swore to never touch drugs. And to this day, like I was like, no, nah, if that can happen to her, it can happen to me. Like that story hit me so deep. So I thought, wait, what if my sister's story can, can do the same, right? Because my sister was working in the media. We, we, it was kind of on TV. We had, we had some great like support and resources and footage and stuff. And I was like, this is all coming together in a way where I, I can't turn away from this. And so I, I don't even remember, I just opened up my laptop and I just started researching schools and getting like the principal's email. And I just started emailing them out. And I remember a friend reached out of Nicole's who was a teacher and she's like, oh, we've just had someone, a speaker cancel last minute. Can you come next week and give some talks? I didn't even have a talk yet. I'm like, yes, yeah, sure. So it's that whole saying yes before you're ready and then figure it out on the way. Um, but yeah, and I, I came and I remember I had my, my piece of paper and my hands were shaking and it, it, it wasn't great, but it impacted the kids because I think it was even only like six months after Nicole had passed away and there I was sharing her story and, and speaking about it. But um, yeah, it was, it was crazy. Cause I walked away from, I had a corporate job that I just got straight out of high school. I got a graduate position with a big global consumer goods company and I chose to leave that and start on no income from like my sister's charity. Cause we did create a charity in her honor called the Nicole Fitzsimons foundation. So part of my mission was the travel safety side. And then we also give grants to performers and sports people who are struggling financially. But um, yeah, I walked away from my corporate career to do it and started working at Subway uh, just to make end meet. And yeah, but I'm very blessed to have a family that was super supportive too. My mom and dad and my rocks, they, uh, they've definitely had my back as I was figuring this out. Yeah, that's a tough, um, it's a tough thing to navigate really. But, but you know, um, the kind of whole invincibility thing with teens isn't always, or isn't just with teens, right? Um, I mean, I can tell you at some point, I actually felt the same way too, because um, in, in a span of about, I think two years, I had been blown up three times, motorcycle accident, parachute accident, which most most people don't survive. And so I, I definitely had this thing like, <laughs> dude, I'm good. I'm good. Nothing, <laughs> nothing's going to hurt me. And fortunately, you know, nothing really has, but um, like it's, it can, it can happen. Now, granted, I was a lot, I was a lot younger. I wasn't a teen, but still, I mean, it's, 
Yeah. It's just yeah, when it, you have things anyway. happen, you're like, wow, I came out unscathed. All right. You know? Yeah. That's, it's almost a curse. And I think humans have, like, we have a, we have a negativity bias, but we also have this like optimism bias of like this idea, like the bad thing won't happen to me kind of thing, which is good. I mean, we don't want to walk outside our house every time and be terrified. We're going to get in a car accident, but I think it's, it's about risk mitigation and minimizing the, the risks. And, you know, I, uh, I've now, I've spoken to over 200,000 teens um, about Nicole's story about travel safety. I got the support of the Australian government now. I got to speak alongside our foreign minister at a travel event and everything. So um, it was pretty amazing that the journey I went on, uh, but the most powerful, impactful, I guess, meaningful part for me is when you have 17, 18-year-old boys, like, you know, the kind of big footballer guys, like, coming up to you, like, streaming in tears, just going, my God, I... I can't imagine that. Like that was like you can just see it, and I'll I'll never know for sure whether it actually changes their behavior. Actually, like I can't put a statistic in front of you, but I rest easier at night doing knowing I've done everything within my power to help make a change. You know, and and I have heard stories about like oh you like from parents going my daughter's friend went to get on a bike, but she didn't want to get on, and she was over at Bali in Bali and things like that because. Southeast Asia is a very popular travel destination for, we call it schoolies. Basically, when you finish school, you go on a trip with your friends and you lose your mind. Uh, and <laughs> unfortunately, um, yeah, a lot of places like Bali and Thailand are, are targets because it's pretty um, cheap for an Aussie to, to travel there. Um, so that's why I guess, again, as well, Trent, when I was like, where do I, how do I even begin with this? I was like, high schoolers, high schoolers. Um, need this message because I genuinely believe that had my sister heard that message she would not have got on the bike and so I just pray Nicole's that story where it's like wait don't do that didn't you hear about that girl like like just put the helmet on at the very least so yeah yeah no it's, it's good and and I think one of the things that happens is there's well there's two things right like you set that that time fuse in their head of that good idea or or whatever and it might not impact mm -hmm. them right now but maybe four or five years down the road when they, they find themselves in that situation, but also yeah. like getting the, the government and everybody involved and letting everybody know that you're kind of all on the same team, right? Mm -hmm. Like if, if your friend does something stupid and they're in trouble, like that 14 year old, you don't be scared. Like we're all on the same yeah. team and we all have the same goals to keep everybody safe and to, and to bring everybody back. And I think that's one of those things that can be difficult to see, especially when you're younger is, uh, you know, the, the us against them mentality um and and thinking that getting in trouble is so much worse than and just because you have never experienced true life consequences before uh and so like getting that together and, and creating that that team environment so that everybody's working towards the same goal and uh i think that's important yeah 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 and that's a big thing too like uh the travel insurance that my sister had like i don't know what i would have we would have done without that insurance like even when my mom first arrived in the hospital um like, you know, they just traveled for 14 hours after, you know, they've heard their daughter's passed away. They walk through the hospital doors and the first thing they're greeted with is the hospital bills. Like they couldn't even see Nicole, even though she's already passed Jeez. away until they paid for those bills. <clears throat> and so thankfully, Nicole did have the right coverage for this where they mum ended up going, no, no, we've got insurance. And then they were, that was able to take care of her. But it was in excess of like in total, um, it was about 50-ish thousand dollars in bills that like from Nicole's surgery through to getting her body back home. And, you know, when you're in that kind of trauma, the last thing you want to be worried about is medical bills and trying to cover finances. And there's so many tragic stories where people are left out of pocket. So, again, I'm trying to break down some of the bad rap people have about insurance because, they helped us navigate. Like, how do you bring a body back home? How do you do this? How do you do like the insurance company was there for us through to like, they helped rearrange. So Nicole could go home on Qantas, which any Aussies listening, they'll know that that's the Aussie airline. <laughs> Nicole would have wanted to fly home, you know, on the flying kangaroo and um, just little things. They sent flowers to be on her coffin at her funeral. They're, they're human people that want to be there when you are in, in trouble. So I teach kids, okay, it costs 100 to $200 to get travel insurance. But if you can't afford that, then you're certainly not going to afford the bills if something bad does happen, which it can. So it's about trying to prepare them for the, uh, to stop the unthinkable from happening to them and then um, you know, making sure that they're properly uh, protected and looked after if it, if it 
if it does happen. So that includes the, the government support as well as like the travel insurance and, and things like that. So yeah, I never thought I'd be 20 years old and excited about <laughs> travel insurance, but <laughs> life takes you places, right? Uh, so, so yeah. Well, and, and this, this begs the question for me at least is at when you're talking about all this stuff, like where do you get to the point where you can still have fun on vacation? Cause it seems like you're just the wet blanket on everybody's vacation. Just let, <laughs> yeah. just saying. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I started at the beginning with showing them like my schoolies photos and it is about having fun. My little mantra or rule that I kind of teach them, I'm like, look, at the end of the day, yeah, let your hair down, celebrate. I just say like, if you wouldn't take the risk at home where you do have your family, normal emergency services and support people, like you have your best team around you at home. If you're not taking it that risk at home when all that support's there, please don't go take it overseas where you lose a lot of that support, right? Like even um, legally, like there was nothing the Australian government could do for us when we're trying to navigate this legal situation. They're like, that's in Thailand. Like we can try and support you over here, but you've got to like, we can't overstep that that boundary. So it's very scary and disorienting. So again, I, I say it's, and I tell them, it's, it's still your choice. If you want to get on a bike, that's totally up to you. I just feel better knowing I've properly educated you about, you know, some of the, the things that can um, can happen. But I always, yeah, I try and be as real and fun as I can be because don't get me wrong, I love to I love to have fun and that that's important, especially I know how hard those uh, poor kids have worked to finish high school. The final exams in Australia are awful. So <laughs> I want them to celebrate that. Um, but, yeah, so that's kind of, that was like the first half of my journey from about 20. 12. So I left my corporate job in 2013. Um, and then I probably spoke just on travel safety alone up until about 2016 ish, 2017. And then I began to transition more over to the resilience and mental health side. Well, you had mentioned that you were kind of a, a very anxious teenager. And I think just, you know, I have, again, I have no studies to go off here, but um, just from what I've noticed in terms of talking to people and kind of what you hear on the news um, is that, you know, with the last two years of COVID and stuff like that, uh, anxiety has gone, has increased, right? And and not just in teenagers and kids, but also adults too. So if with that being the case, and you managed to escape anxiety, um, which I've got to ask because I like, I don't have any anxiety. Like I just, I don't know. It's weird. Right. Um, <laughs> it, I don't know. My, my wife says I'm just weird because I don't have any of it, but um, it right over. What are, that's what happens. Yeah. Just... yeah. Yeah. You gotta be tall enough just to hit it yeah. right in the face. <laughs> Man, that was smooth. I like that. That was good. <laughs> Aaron missed that one too. Hey, yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, so what are some of the uh, the tools that you you know found yourself using or that you promote now to help uh, get people through that? Yeah. Well, firstly, I've got to say, <laughs> I definitely haven't escaped anxiety. It's still a very <laughs> ever present part of my life, uh, but I've certainly learned how to how to manage it. And I think that's actually one of the first messages that I, I, I teach students is anxiety in within itself is no problem. Uh, humans have been feeling it since the day dot like it's part of our our human brain is the number one mission it wants to do it's not worried about making you happy it just wants to keep you safe and alive so part of that is constantly scanning for threats and dangers and things that have and could go wrong so I think it's like normalizing firstly the thoughts that they have about anxiety because the way you think about your feelings can either dial them up or kind of calm them down a little. So one of my favorite mantras is, oh, that's right, I'm human. Like sometimes I remember like this is part of being human because I think so many of us want to try and make our life look like what they, especially teenagers, you know, they don't quite have the maturity yet. So they want to make it look like one girl I coach is like, she gets up and then she has a green smoothie and her room's clean. And then she does this and she does that. And like my life, I don't feel I'm like no one's life is like that. Like, come on. So I, I think it's just like educating, like anxiety is a normal part of the human experience. It's coming from your brain, just wanting to keep you safe, like an overprotective dad. Um, and <laughs> humans naturally want to try and, um, you know, any sort of unknown, if you're about to face an unknown situation, anxiety is going to be part and parcel of it. But there's things we can do, like I said, that can kind of um, better manage it. So I, through 
throughout my whole, I guess, journey, I was trying to figure out how the heck do I capture up every kind of little thing that I, I did to better manage my emotional life. And I came up with my own little special uh, strategy, which I call the three R's to response ability. Uh, so that's kind of how, what I teach in my talks. And the biggest thing is like the reason humans can spiral super quick, end up overly anxious and panic attacks is we immediately believe and react to our thoughts as if they're actually true and factual circumstances of our lives. Like, oh no, everything's going wrong. That person thinks I'm an idiot. I totally stuffed everything up. Like we fuse with our thoughts so quickly that we begin to spiral out of control very quickly. So Showing teenagers and my big message is like recognizing what you're thinking versus what's actually happened. So it's a little bit of stoicism thrown in there to kind of let's take a step back and actually recognize the thought for what it is versus what's happening and showing them the big truth that no one ever taught me when I was in high school. I was like, probably would have helped. Is that our thinking causes our feelings, not what's happening out there in the world? Um, because I was so anxious because I was so focused on the outside world, trying to control that to try and feel better. No one ever told me like, Hey, if you pay a little bit more attention to what's happening in your internal world, that's what you have way more control. Um, so yeah, anxiety comes from focusing on what you can't control. So I bring their attention back into their own mind and just show them, Hey, you're not super anxious because you know, everything's going wrong. It's because you're believing the thought everything's going wrong. So kind of getting them to identify that doesn't instantly make you feel better, but it does give you back that sense of control, realizing you're not stuck at the effect of what's happening in your life, simply your thoughts and beliefs about it. So that's kind of my step one to dial things down a little. <laughs> and then uh, reflect is the second R, which is reflect upon the impact of your thoughts. Uh, because a lot of us want to keep justifying why it's true. No, this shouldn't have happened. That person is a jerk, but, 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 whatever it is. And, um, so I'm like, okay, I hear you. Like you can all day long, our brain finds evidence for what it believes. So mm -hmm. you will have a very good case for your current thoughts and beliefs, but tell me, is it any, what helpful to think of it that way? Do you take any sort of productive action or show up in a way that you're proud of from these thoughts and feelings? Because winding in that little bit of CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, like the way we think influences the way we feel, the way we feel influences how we act and our behavior. And of course, what we do or don't do creates an outcome. Um, so just kind of saying like, is it helpful? Even if you feel it's true for me, like when people are like, how are you able to let go of the blame and negativity? Because that driver who actually hit Nicole and was driving on the wrong side of the road was never charged for it like there was never any sort of justice um around that he never apologized to my family there was no compassion or anything mm. and so it was very easy to want to kind of become bitter but I realized like there's zero upside for me staying in that blame or negativity I withdraw from life I complain I get judgmental I add to the negativity in the world which is the very thing I'm outraged against in the first place and the more I blame him the less I'm able to show up for love in the world for my sister. So I kind of just like surrendered to like, it does become easy to let go of when you see your thoughts are just simply not helpful. And then, um, yeah. And then the third R, once you can kind of own, and this is the big step of taking ownership, right? Which I know in the world of Jocko, what's, is it Jack? Is it Jocko? Am I saying it right? Yeah. Extreme <laughs> ownership. Yep. Yes. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I guess like that's what kind of what I uh, teach the kids. It's a loving slap in the face. Like, okay, let's <laughs> take ownership here. And um, yeah, and then we can redirect, which, um, you know, I have a few ideas. Like a lot of kids say, you know, think I'm going to say redirect to the positives, which is great when you can find them. Um, but I find sometimes when I'm going through something really painful and really challenging, it can be hard to kind of see the positives, right? Like when you're lying on the floor trying to pick a dress for your sister to be buried in, like there's not a lot of positives in that. And so what I offer as an alternative when you're struggling to see the positives is actually to look towards your problems. And I know that sounds back to front because it's like, aren't problems bad? But what I found is problems hold an amazing opportunity for you to actually create the good, right? But not just looking for the silver lining, but using your two hands to create it yourself, 
right? Because I look towards the problem of travel safety to help my sister's death become meaningful. And I was able to solve for it and use my energy and channel my pain into something greater than myself, which is what I found resilience is really about, not just positive thinking, but purposeful thinking, powerful thinking. Um, yeah, that's kind of what gives you the strength to keep getting up out of bed or that's been my personal experience. So yeah, what can I learn from this or what problem can I help help solve here so I create something from this that's meaningful? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, we're just... We're texting back and forth. We all, we always text in between to like figure out who's going to talk next. And like, we're like, Hey, we, we want to talk about these three R's. Like as you're going through it, I'm like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But like some of it is, it, it's weird when, when common sense comes and slaps you in the face and you're like, yeah. how come I never thought of it that way before? You know what I mean? Um, but I know like the, the, the first one is, is, is I think recognition is, is, is very difficult because we live in a world, especially like social media and all this other stuff where um even even recognizing that you're part of the problem can be so difficult and like there's we all live in these echo chambers where no one is ever telling us like hey like this is what you need to be doing i just i don't know how to 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 start taking that action like what's what's the impetus to like get anybody to do that if they haven't um experienced something like traumatic you know what i mean yeah, I mean, in my throughout my talks and coaching, like I, I share my story, but I also strip it back to like day to day things, like receiving feedback from a coach, not getting on the starting team, your cut, your crush not replying to your Snapchat, you know, all those <laughs> huge deals that we have to manage. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's kind of um, I show them firstly, like okay, here's the two options I thought I had to deal with my emotional life as a teenager. My first one, because when I thought, you know, my feelings are just happening to me and I don't have a choice. Number one was what my main option, which was going to freak out and control mode and try and control and ma manipulate and deal with all of it that way. Like get that person to change their mind or to apologize or to swap class from that teacher or to get my parents to change their mind and try and argue against the world. And then if I couldn't do that, and I realized that was getting me nowhere. Our second option that a lot of people try and do is, uh, distract ourselves from it, right? Go stick it our head in the sand with something that helps take the edge of off that, um, I guess, how we're feeling. So we all know what I'm talking about. Scrolling on social media, binge watching Netflix, inhaling a bag of chips or something. Um, or in my case, and why, again, I'm really passionate about helping teenagers is my anxiety ended up like turning into an eating disorder for me. I became very controlling over what I ate and what I weighed because I felt like I had zero control over everything else but what I put in my mouth and all of that so I would sit down and try and study and then I'd get up and weigh myself again just because seeing that number go down that little bit it felt like okay I have some control here in my life the problem was as soon as I'd get off the scales and try and deal with life again the anxiety would come all the way back over me so I kind of show teens like, hey, it's not that you're doing it wrong. Like if you want to keep doing this stuff, I'm not going to force you to change. But I kind of show them how it keeps you stuck in that cycle of, of helplessness because we keep ending up back at that place of feeling like we have zero control, which I think is the one thing humans hate most, feeling like they have no control. Right. But it, 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 it's, a, it's a byproduct of that binary mindset, right? Like you, you view all of your problems as a single thing and like this one solution where I have control, like if I can control this one thing and I, I find, you know, when I give people advice or people ask me for stuff or you're uh, coaching and mentoring something, everybody or not everybody, but lots of people do that. Like, well, if this, then this, like, these are the only two options. And I, you mm -hmm. know, like I'll always look at people and be like, that's stupid. There's like a million options out here to move forward. But when, you know, assessing or, or looking at the way that I, I view things and I solve problems, I am very guilty of, of having that binary mindset, you know, like if this, then this. And um, mm -hmm. I think it's, it's hard for us as individuals without an outside influence to get past that, those binary mechanisms in our own brain and see the, the myriad of other options and the ways forward uh, and, and the possibilities of, of how to get out of this, uh, this trap mm -hmm. that we've, you know, created for ourselves. Yes. Yes. And I think that's the power of stories too. Like everyone kind of sharing their story in a real and vulnerable way, especially at, at, at teenagers. I, um, you know, they're often 
ready to begin to look up to role models and um, not that like I'm at all that, but like, you know, they're kind of looking. So you got to balance, I guess, especially working with young people, the power of a story, but then relaying it back how they can actually use that in a practical way. So that's that fine balance I'm forever kind of (laughs) trying to find because no one likes being spoken down to or like, you know, like I know it all. And the thing is, it's not a one it's not like you ever get to a point where you're like, okay, I'm done managing my brain. Like <laughs> I'm done managing my anxiety. Like I totally, it's all tied up in a neat bow. Like this is like a practice, like brushing your teeth. Just because you brush your teeth on Tuesday doesn't mean you have to do it again. <laughs> Don't have to do it again on Wednesday. It's a daily practice of, of stepping back. And, and, and I think that small things are a beautiful opportunity to practice this because they give you, you know, resilience, tolerance, but then the, the greater things um, as well. So yeah, but you're right. There's so many different options. And that's why I like the redirect thing because you can redirect and you can you can do it to, to anything, like whatever you want to message you want to teach there. I just think the recognizing and reflecting is important to disarm them a little to see why they might be open to changing their mind because you, the worst thing is trying to change someone's mind who's closed-minded and doesn't want your help. So, um, yeah, and and you can't change what you're not what you're not aware of. So we need to recognize our thought too to to see what that is to then be able to begin to change it. So yeah, yeah, and, and there's so, the thing is there's so many variables. Like when we when we start to look at you know recognizing right, um, mm-hmm. and you see that anxiety starting to go through your head, and it's like um, it, it's a it's a lot of external sources that are feeding that anxiety and. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe some of it's correct. Maybe some of it's a misperception, or maybe you're just dwelling on it way too much. And it's like, hey, there there are too many variables out in this world, and especially in an environment like school or work where there's so many different personalities involved. Everybody's got their own shit going on within their own life, right? Um, that you can't control. You have nothing to do with. So you're letting them and their actions and what they say influence the way you feel and it may not even be accurate and mm-hmm. and also there's you know you bring, you bring up the whole uh hey didn't respond to my snapchat or somebody's getting ghosted <laughs> on like there there are also levels of severity in this too like <laughs> is it re- is it really that bad that uh you know so and so whether it's your your friend or your crush hasn't hasn't texted you back or hasn't responded yet is it really that bad Mm-hmm. Or maybe are they in the middle of something, taking an exam, or they're in a, a, a ridiculous two-hour freaking meeting or something like that, and they can't respond? Like, it's mm-hmm. not – like, I, I guess I just don't understand – or I don't understand, but it's also recognizing, like, hey, expecting somebody to respond to you within 30 seconds of you sending them a message is not realistic. And it's yeah. okay. It's actually yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's where like, I'm sure, you know, Trent or anyone who's done coaching, a lot of the power of coaching is simply asking more powerful questions. Um, because questions like your brain's like a question answering machine. It loves to solve problems. And so a great way to break through your own negative mind chatter is to simply flip the questions you're asking yourself, because think about like, maybe this teenager is not getting responded to and they're thinking what's wrong with me. Why don't they like me? And of course your brain subconsciously is answering, well, you're not good enough. You're too this, you're too that. So it's just spiraling in negativity. So if we flip the question to something more useful and where it's going to naturally provoke a more useful, positive answer, like the one I would probably ask a teen, well, I I literally had, it wasn't with her crush, but with her friends would take a few hours to reply and she was worried and feeling left out and all this stuff. And I was like, what's a more balanced, realistic way we could view this? Like, let's just kind of step back and think of, okay, we're going to assess this like both sides. And so I asked the team, so then they're looking back in their brain and coming up with the answers for themselves or how will I think about this in five years' time is one of my favorites. <laughs> there's the old rule if you don't remember, you know, if it doesn't matter in five minutes, it shouldn't matter in five years kind of thing. So, um, yeah, just getting them. I, I love them to kind of dig in and then I let them come up with their own answers and if they're stuck, then that's when I might suggest a few themselves. But, uh, yeah, I think it's not always, yeah, Positive thinking, it's that, like you said, that more realistic, big picture, thinking about what really matters in life kind of uh, thinking, which is tough because, 
lot of these kids, they get instant gratification now. Their parents want to give them everything and never want them to struggle or suffer. So I don't know. If you listen to Joe Rogan, he always says the worst thing that's happened to you is the worst thing that's happened to you. So it's sometimes you've got to, that's why my message to parents a lot of the time is let them have a healthy amount of, of struggle. You know, if they're having a fight with a friend, please don't go try save the day for them because they need to learn these skills yeah. themselves. <laughs> no, hundred percent. I, I mean, you know, my son has come home from school. He's, he's 10, he's fifth grade. He's come home from school and he's, this has just happened last week and he's upset because um, he said, some girl told him to to be quiet and nobody disagreed with it and that she kind of shoved him a little bit and and he was he was like i i don't understand why she's i'm like what do you care like just you know it, and maybe i didn't say what do, what do i care because there's been some times in the past that that it's been some boys or something like that you know and i'm like well push him back you know i i i'm the parent and my wife is not like this, <laughs> but I, I am the parent. It's like, well, hit him in the face. Like, 100%. Like hit him in the, if he hits you, hit him back, like right in the freaking mouth. And he's like, well, I'm, I'm going to get in trouble. I'm like, okay. And we'll go for ice cream after that. Like if you get suspended, we'll go get some ice cream. Because if you live the rest of your life, allowing people to pick on you like that or dwelling, and this is me. I'm not a professional. I'm, I'm not. These are not Kate Gladden's words. These are my words. But if you allow people to walk all over you, um, allow people to pick on you, or you allow things to mentally dig in like a tick into your brain and allow that stuff to happen, it's going to affect you for the rest of your life. Um, mm -hmm. That's me talking. But um, I actually have one more thing, but I don't know if you have anything on that. You tell me I'm completely messed up. <laughs> But, oh, but you, I thought you were going to add another point to that. And I was like, ready I, for your... I, I do not, not specific to that, though. I did, because you said something. Do you have anything on what I just said? Oh, about... <laughs> I'm yeah. not about... I, I'm not anti a little bit of, like, growing the, you know, a man standing up for himself and things like that. It's it's each to their own. I mean, you never want to encourage violence as the first conflict resolution <laughs> solution, like, you know, kind of, of thing. Of course. Um, but I kind of... I mean, it's, it is funny to, like, when they're... I, I, I do have a have a laugh. I would probably say, um, you know, I teach kids about assertiveness and boundaries. Like, so it's a boundary isn't about trying to control the other person. It's about controlling your response to that person's behavior because we simply can't control other people. So, you know, I'd probably tell him, you know, a little bit of like, oh, I understand. And what do you think maybe drove that behavior for them? Like a little bit of empathy. Maybe they've had a tough day. We have no idea what they're going through, but I want you to respect yourself too. So, hey. I prefer if you, you know, stop shoving me, but if you continue to shove me, then I'm going to, and maybe that is punch you in the face. <laughs> Just give them a warning. Uh, but, you know, typically I'm like, you could go, like, what other options do you have? You could tell a teacher, try and uh, walk away. Maybe it's just simple as walking away. Like, I don't know, but it's usually a request followed by your intention in response to their behavior that self-protects you. So. Well, I definitely skipped. I skipped stuff that I went through, the escalation of force. <laughs> there is an escalation of force. <laughs> Uh, it, you know, it, you know, and you, what's so funny is, uh, like, my daughter is more of a, a pipe hitter than than my son is. But I mean, there's an age, there's a significant age difference. My daughter's 15, high school. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, she told me the other day, she's like, "I don't think you'd survive my high school." I'm like, what are you, <laughs> "I wouldn't survive your high school, really?" Okay, That's all right. But anyway, I, anyway, I digress. Um, you you had talked about some. Uh, you said. Something to the fact of, of taking care of the small things. And that's something that I, I believe in as well, is if you take care of the small things, the big things will follow. Um, mm -hmm. kind of Because these little ankle biters, even though they're, they're real small um, tasks or problems or whatever, you, you talked about, you know, um, cleaning your room, having a smooth, and I know we're talking about social media, but um, <laughs> taking care of the small things, big things will follow. Because if you can take care of all the little ankle biters, that frees up bandwidth in your mind to be able to mm -hmm. focus on the big things that that either need to be solved or need to be accomplished. Um, so I, I, I dig that that you're actually talking about those kind of things. I think that that's important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the yeah, the room cleaning, the getting the little homework done or the chores or like, 
yeah, com- like just clearing something up with a friend, all those little things are super important. Cause I, I explained to them just like you did. I'm like, otherwise it's your computer downloading something in the background, just constantly kind mm-hmm. of draining away your energy. And I, I wish we had sometimes like a fuel gauge like to- so I could show these kids, like you only get so much mental energy in a day and you're wasting so much of it on this thing you can't control over here. When, these little things are within your control. And trust me, if you go and accomplish them and focus on them, you're going to feel that little bit better. And you're not like having all that time. Or I say it's like shouting at the tide to be different. Like if you saw me standing on a beach, shouting at the ocean to stop coming in to be less wavy to do whatever, I'm like, what would you say to me? And they're like, well, they probably think you're crazy. I'm like, yeah, and that's what we're doing when we're focusing (laughs) on things we can't control. It's a complete waste of energy. It makes zero sense. And we have this whole world out here that we can still um, go and experience. And so it's that, you know, I like my little metaphors and that to try and drive some points home to them. Um, But yeah, because teenagers, number one thing they focus on is what someone thinks of them. I'm like, we simply cannot control other people's opinions. (laughs) So that's my hundred (laughs) percent. Yeah, that's that's one I'm constantly coaching on. Yeah, I mean, I I love talking to, to students when you know on the question thing when they're like, well, I just don't think like I'm good enough for this team, and that the we always talk about it. the the one word that will crush a cone more than anything else is if you just look at them and say why, and then make them mm-hmm. think about it, and then when they come up with their next thing, just go, and why? Why do you think that? And force them to like mm-hmm. go down the rabbit hole of nonsense in their brain that led to this ridiculous thought. Um, but I, I think we need to move forward a little bit. We're we're getting. I don't know. I think Jared and I would talk about this all day. But you said you uh, you did strictly yeah. travel for until 2016. I'm trying to get to the point where eventually oh. you meet Nate and for some reason married him because it's very confusing as to why that happened. Okay. We're still trying to figure it out. I'll give the I'll give the Spark Notes version then. Do you guys have that where you used to cheat when you didn't read the book? Cliff Notes. Cliff Over here, Notes. Cliff Notes. Oh, okay, maybe it is. Maybe I just made Spark Notes up. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> so um, so what prompted me to go down the, the coaching route and all that is um, I uh, had students kind of coming up to me. You know, I'd never be able to do what you do. How do you do that? How do you stay so strong? And as I said, I was like what the heck? Like if only you saw me a few years ago, you would have thought I was a hot mess, which is still pretty true. But anyway, so I, uh, I was like, I want to, I want to start sharing my story, right? The, the travel safety stuff is very much, you know, about Nicole's story and, and that side of things. But suddenly I realized I'd been on a journey since where, but I, I didn't want to just be another motivational speaker. We're like, listen to me and my story and how great my rise to you know, triumph was. And then you, you're pumped up for like 10 minutes or, you know, that day. And then it all kind of goes out the door. So I was like, how can I get some practical like strategies and tools? So I went and got certified at a coaching school here um, in the U S. So this was before I lived here. This was back in 2016, I think. And then 2017, I spent many, many hours putting together my resilience talk and I went and gave it. And then afterwards I sat in the car and cried because it was terrible. <laughs> I did not at all relate. I totally forgot what I was saying because I was so used to travel safety. And I remember I went home and lied on the floor with my dog and I cried. And I was like, I don't, I, maybe I should just stick to travel safety. Like, I don't, who am I to share my story? Who am I to do this? Like, I don't know what I'm, I'm talking about. Um, but again, I, I just felt like that, that calling and I was like, okay, I'm going to keep going. So I, I kept going and little by little, my, my presentations were improving. Um, and then at the end of 2018, um, I got invited to speak at schools over in Idaho. Um, so that's kind of what started the American, um, leg of my, uh, my speaking, uh, and, and all that over in schools over here. So that happened at the end of 2018. And I remember like crying and screaming and, oh my gosh, I'm going to speak in America. And then I was like, oh crap, I better improve my talk a little. So- <laughs> So no, I worked really, really hard. I love my talk now, but I just wanted to share that because I think a lot of people see the highlight reels and I want them to know it was a lot of like the thing about a speaker is you fail in public. Like the only way you know if something lands is to go out and say it. <laughs> and then you have uh, have to deal with the the humility to, to kind of lick your wounds, learn from them and, and get back up and try again. But earlier in 2018, mom and I decided we go on holidays to New York and D.C., uh, we proudly sponsor the Brooklyn Kings rugby league team over here in New York. Um, they were Nicole's logo, her charity logo. Um, cause it, yeah, yeah. So a guy who worked with Nicole back in 
Australia, moved over here. He knew how much she loved rugby league. Like she lived for the game. So he wanted to honor her in that way. Um, and mom and I always said we'd go watch him play. So we thought, why not do mother-daughter trip? And uh, Nate had, and I had actually met, we'd done a Zoom call, which I hadn't even seen him. We just had a chat about a podcast interview we were going to do for his Rugby League in America show because um, Matt, Nicole's friend, had connected us and like, you two should chat about the Brooklyn Kings and Nicole's foundation. So we're just chatting and then he's like, oh, I live in D.C. And I'm like, oh, my God, Mom and I are coming to D.C. Like, <laughs> let's meet up. Because um, I love meeting local people at local places. Like, I don't want to do the touristy things. I want to, like, meet the real people. And you know what? He nearly ghosted me. He didn't. Nelly didn't come. He wasn't replying to my message Mate. when I asked to meet up. <laughs> <laughs> so my mom was like I mean, i'm like i messaged him twice i'm not doing it again like i'm not gonna be that girl um last minute though he said he'd come and so we had he had dinner with my mom and i um and we ended up chatting the entire night and i was like wow this is the most fascinating person i've ever met i just wanted to talk to him all night so we did again the next night and then he came and saw me in new york before i left um and all of these were basically with my mom, so he double-dated us. Um, but I, I, I really felt a connection then. And then I went back to Australia, and, and then I saw him again when I spoke in Idaho. So we went about six months or something without um, seeing each other. And I knew then when I still wanted to see him six months later, I thought, oh, maybe this is something and not just like a holiday romance or something. So the rest is history. <laughs> He's like a virus. He just bur burrows in there, and, and you just can't get rid of him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's uh, he's amazing, and I uh, I'm, I'm super proud of everything he's doing with his um, inheriting manhood podcast. I uh, I remember him setting that up and chatting to him about what he wanted to do, and I felt like I saw a lot of him, like what I went through when I was trying to transition from Nicole's charity, who is like that is like at the heartbeat of what I do, and I love it. But I knew in order to chase this next dream, which I feel like is such an honor of my legacy, um, Nicole's legacy as well because she was so brave with her life, but it was hard to let go of the travel safety stuff and making that my main focus. And I could see the same with him and rugby league. He loves that game still so much and everything is given to him. But I was like, no, like this is really, um, I really believe in what he wants to do with that. And so I'm super proud of him. So but, but, little proud moment. But still me. like, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I think you were like a, a bodybuilder in Australia. Like you were like the best, a uh, hundred women have influence uh, in Australia <laughs> and then like uh, air force enlisted dude, you know, like I'm just, I'm just saying, <laughs> Nate, I love you. Just so you know. No, no. I, uh, yeah, he, he blew me away and, and it, it took a little bit to get the parents on side with that. Um, I don't, I'm not sure they thought, I think they thought I had lost my mind. Um, in a way I, I had some of my, uh, biggest moves I've done in life that have paid off in the best way. Initially, I had some pushback against them or people thinking, um, yeah, I'm crazy. But you know what? When you lose, like, I, I'm living for Nicole and I now. Like, I will never let um, fear hold me back. I just put it behind me because the only fear I have is fear of regret. So, yeah. And then I didn't know. I don't recommend long distance, um, especially not during a pandemic. That one's that one's not fun. <laughs> don't do international love during a, a <laughs> pandemic. That was that was pretty stressful. Um, but as I like to joke, I said, I, I used to say I never want to date a military guy or anyone long distance. And Nate was both those I mean, things. So those guys it. are the worst. I've heard. <laughs> but like, I, I think there's something to the, the fact that you've, you'd gone through all these experiences and you'd kind of gotten used to uh, jumping into the deep end of the pool, like the public speaking and all that other stuff. Mm -hmm. There's, I think there's, uh, maybe people don't recognize it, but when you get used to just taking opportunities and opening yourself up to that kind of, uh, you know, experience throughout your life, when you find someone, you know, at least this, this was my experience, right? Having gone through some of those things, when you find that person, uh, it, it just made it a lot easier to be open and, and willing uh, to, to let those things in. And this is becoming like a, a love podcast now, I guess. I don't know. Like when I met my wife, you know, like, relationships yeah, let's, let's, with Peaches and but, but I think there's the, <laughs> that growth and that willingness to take that risk. I think I'm just saying it, it translates into so many facets of your life and, and creates those opportunities mm -hmm. and allows you to take those opportunities to lead to, you know, really positive outcomes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's finding value within, like, even if this doesn't work out, knowing like 
I, I still went for it. Like I'm the kind of person that leans in, is open to life. Like even if Nate and I didn't work out, like we spent, I spent three or four months over here before the pandemic. And I was like, this is my chance just to see, but I'm never going to regret something that felt like it was, I don't know, drawn to me that I felt passionate about, interested in. Um, and I think the other thing is though, when you survive literally your worst nightmare, like I remember being carried out of my sister's funeral, like screaming and just that pain like I've lived that moment everything else that happens after this like I can I can totally handle and I think anyone who's lived through those kind of moments knows you do gain courage from them when you realize I'm still here I'm still breathing if I can handle that anything else that happens I've got nope you're 100% right I don't know if you guys can hear my dog freaking (laughs) running around um yeah I'm not showing her she doesn't deserve it Oh, I can't help but want to see everyone. What kind of dog is she? Uh, she's a German Shepherd, a working line German Shepherd. So, oh, I used to have a Belgian Shepherd growing up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, one of the things uh, before we kind of wrap this up, just because we're getting on, uh, getting on with time here, I want to make sure that uh, we get a chance to plug your not only your book but also your podcast because you have podcasts for teens and you have a podcast for parents. Um, yes. so go for it. Okay. Well, thanks so much. So yeah, I have my, uh, podcast show for, for teens. That's originally where I started. Well, it's teens and young adults. Like it's all the way up to like 30 ish, I think. Um, although I do have, I had someone's mum in Idaho. It was like 75 listening. So <laughs> any <laughs> age, you're welcome. Uh, it's called, okay, now what? Um, with Kate Gladden. Uh, so that's on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you like to listen to your podcast. I have, Nearly 190 episodes or something on there now. So plenty on there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, my parents' one, that's my baby new one. Um, So that's just to better support all the parents out there because I know it's kind of tough. Uh, Peaches, you might be able to talk to this raising a a teenager sometimes. (laughs) So I just like to share some um, tips and advice and get some um, experts on there. So that's called OK Now Parents um, with uh, Kate Gladden and I co-host host that um, with parent coach and mum um, of four teenagers. Uh, her name's Angie Solly. So we kind of jam on there together. And um, my books, uh, I have to remember the name of them. I've got three. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've read, yeah, I've published three books over the last like 18 months or so. So they're for teenagers. I have social, uh, what is it? The Teen's Guide to Social Skills. <laughs> that's the first one. So that's about self-confidence, EQ, empathy, um, kind of navigating relationships one. Mini habits for teens. So as we said, start with the small stuff. Um, So that's just everything from um, organization through to mental health, relationships, even just like accepting loss and defeat and things like that in your sports games and how to bounce back from that. And I also have a workbook for the social skills for teens that I just released as well with some practical um, exercises and activities. So you'll find those on my website, kategladden.com, um, as well as, uh, yeah, just about my talks and, and what I do. So if anything's interested you, please check that out. No, I'm definitely going to check it out. And I, I got to say, I'm pretty, I was just at an event last night um, and it was weird because, you know, everybody had, I'm definitely the the old dude. Uh, now, at least at this point in our lives, me, me and Donna, we always talk about this is that we're definitely, and it's happened out of nowhere where we're the, the old people, right? But um, I'm at an event and everybody's got kids, but they're all like two and under. And then there's some pregnant women as well. And it's like, this is weird. I just haven't been in this spot before. And, and uh, you know, a couple of them start picking my brain about, you know, because I got a 10 year old and a 15 year old with, uh, with Donna and, and, uh, it's just weird because I'm like, why? I am definitely not the person to ask for advice here, um, especially because you know, and and a lot of them that have have daughters, they're like, hey, teenage daughter, like, is it oh. as terrible as everybody says? And I'm like, well, I can't speak for everybody else, but my experience is my daughter is is fantastic. Um, haven't had any haven't had any issues with her or anything like that. So she is and. and She'll probably, she actually, no, she doesn't listen to it. She edits our, our, all of our podcasts and stuff like that, but she doesn't listen to them. She goes, okay, okay. what's at the, what's at the front? What's at the end? Okay. Let me, let me fix some stuff. And then you're an idiot. Good. Go on. Right. But, I love it. I love that your daughter's involved. That's awesome. But you know, I, I've been pretty fortunate, but uh, I'm, I'm sure that I can, I learned something from your podcast and, and your books and stuff like that. So definitely want to check those out. 
but um, thank you. Well, well, well I've got to ask. I've got to ask my. Oh questions. yeah, that's right. You wanted to ask some questions. Go for it. <laughs> just super no. quick. This is just because. No, no, no. Go, <laughs> go for it. No, I just want yeah, to see your I'm reaction. On, I'm on mute right now. <laughs> I just want to see your reaction to it. I'm, I've heard this is your favorite question. So, oh, don't so do it. what's a typical day like <laughs> for you? Like, tell me. <laughs> well, I wake up thinking about Nate. And then, uh, you know, that's basically all I do all day. <laughs> oh, we have that yeah, in common. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, um, oh, uh, Peaches, well, we kind of already poked fun at this one, but do you want to ride, ride a roller coaster together, Peaches? Uh, You're probably, <laughs> if I'm not allowed on the New York, New York, then uh, in Vegas, then I was you got to be this tall. <laughs> Yeah, no, I was asking last night because I mum bought Nate the Sydney Harbour Bridge climb, and I was like, I wonder if Beaches is tall enough to climb that because I know you have to be a certain height. So. Probably not. <laughs> oh, it's a bloodbath in here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, I appreciate you guys so much, and I get, thanks for um, yeah the the privilege of being on your show and also all the support you give Nate. I know he uh, he loves you guys and Peaches that video you did for his fortieth uh, and. Uh, oh. 20 years that was he watched that over and over he, he loved what you organized that one so yeah thanks so much well it's you're absolutely welcome and regarding that video that was that was just uh good timing i mean really it's not <laughs> it's not often that high mars are shooting off right you know right as you're talking so it's pretty cool <laughs> totally. awesome. well for everybody out there uh tuning in Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Uh, make sure you guys go check out Kate Gladden. Uh, she's got books. She's got podcasts. And uh, you can also book her to come talk uh, if you want, sure. you know, at an event that you guys have. So, and I think you actually, I want to say you actually post a schedule where you're going to be too, don't you? Um, I do sometimes if I've already got some talks like in that area um but it, it's slowly picking back up COVID kind of put a damper yeah. on the actual travel side but i'm off to new york this, e- uh, this afternoon we're going to drive up i'm doing some near the city for three days and i've got minnesota next month and then i'll be back in australia talking which i haven't been in australia since august 2020 so i can't wait to hug my mom hug my dog and see some kiddos <laughs> <laughs> awesome all right well i hope all that works out well for you